and is understood in different ways and is used for different purposes by God's people. It's used 172 times in the Bible and over 107 in the Old Testament. It is an important word for us as God's people. So where we'll read here in chapter 19, we'll begin in verse 26 and read through verse 31. Some of your Bibles may even have a subheading above it because this verse about the Sabbath is sandwiched in between laws that are meant to keep God's people separate from the pagan ways of the world. So read with me beginning in verse 26. You shall not eat anything with the blood, nor shall you practice divination or soothsaying. You shall not shave around the sides of your head, nor shall you disfigure the edges of your beard. You shall not make any cuttings in your flesh for the dead, nor tattoo any marks on you. I am the Lord. Do not prostitute your daughter to cause her to be a harlot, lest the land fall into harlotry, and the land become full of wickedness. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Give no regard to mediums and familiar spirits. Do not seek after them to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. Now this is very interesting because this is a a section within chapter 19. And in the midst of this, God addresses his Sabbath. Every scripture that we read has a context. It has words that are around it in the sentence, and it has a context and a background that is influencing why we're reading what we're reading. And here in Leviticus, amidst God's laws about not practicing witchcraft, not disfiguring our body in worship to other gods, not prostituting our children, not going after mediums and psychics, we're to understand the heart of the Father and His Sabbath for us, to protect us from evil. If we understand anything else today about the Lord's Sabbath, it is that His heart is to protect His people from evil and harm and sin. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 1, and we'll read about the very first Sabbath. Genesis chapter 1 will be in the church's Bible and in most Bibles on page 2. We'll read beginning in verse 31 of chapter 1 and through chapter 2, verse 3. We'll see that God inaugurated the Sabbath here, the seventh day of the week at creation. Verse 31 says, Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God had ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, 
because in it he rested from all his work which he had created and made. So God has spent six days creating. And we could read all of chapter 1 to see that God created things like light and sky and sun and moon and stars and plants and trees and birds and sea creatures and mankind. And then we enter our passage here. And the sense of what is going on is all created, excuse me, all connected to ceasing, to stopping as a result of completion and an end. Verse 31, it says that God saw everything that he had made and indeed it was very good. Now if y'all been here often, you know that this is one of my favorite, um, I guess favorite structures in the Old Testament. This idea of very good. This word for good is the word tov and it is not good like a sandwich or a car or an oil change. It is good as called according to God's purpose. So God didn't look out over the creation and go, that'll do. He knew that it was exactly what he wanted to do, that all things were functioning in the order that God desired them to be. So God has looked out over his creation and he says that it is very good. In verse 31 it says, So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. We know in the calendar that God has created that the evening begins the day and the morning concludes it. So the writer of Genesis tells us the sixth day is done. And the seventh day, excuse me, in the seventh day is mentioned in chapter 2 verse 1. It says, thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. We should see that things were complete. Verse 2 says that on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So we're reading a similar thing in many different ways. We're seeing that there is completion, right? There wasn't anything left undone. God had finished his work on the sixth day and so he was resting on the seventh. Then in verse 3, God blessed the seventh day and he sanctified it. So he set it apart from all the other days that it would be distinguished and different. Now there's two really important words in these verses. The first word is the word for seven or seventh. And this is a noun that comes from a Hebrew word, Shabbat. The second word is the word rested or ceased, or stopped, you might have in your Bible. This word comes from the word Shabbat. Now I know to you those may not sound like the same word, but in the Hebrew they look almost identical. These two words are intricately connected. Like a chicken and an egg are connected. One began where the other began. They're connected. Their root words connect them. The word for seven actually draws its meaning from ceasing, ending, or resting. The number seven represents God's completion throughout Scripture, and it is no accident because the word seven is first used in these Scriptures right here, drawing its meaning from the idea of resting or stopping. 
Likewise, God rested and stopped, not on the sixth day, not on the eighth day, but on the seventh day. Now, many teach about how God was giving us a template for the Sabbath here. Many teach of the significance of the rest in Genesis. And I absolutely believe this is true, but it's important that we draw the meaning out of the rest from its relationship to God instead of using our perspective on rest to sew it in to what was God doing here. So what does this mean? Well, God did not need rest on the seventh day. He didn't do it because he was tired. He didn't finish creating all of these great things according to his plan and say, this is very good. It's time for me to take a nap now. He didn't say I could really use some Sabbath rest. I'm sure glad it's the seventh day. Right? Many weave into this story though that idea And they weave out that God is giving us our due rest from our labors on the seventh day. And that is a grave misconception that misses the heart of the Lord. No, instead, God's work was complete on the sixth day. And as a result of His ceasing from creating and work, it was the Sabbath. Right? This is a cause and effect. The effect is that God rested because he stopped. You see that those are two different things. They're happening concurrently. And we're told why. We're told in verse 31 that it was very good. So God did not stop and God did not rest until things were very good. The day just happens to be the seventh of his creation week. And so as a result, seven receives its meaning from this action of completion and rest. And when we see seven in scripture, we know that God is at work in that story. Next, verse 3 tells us, chapter 2, verse 3, that God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. He set it apart for his purpose. So God has done all this creating on these six great days, but on the seventh, it said He sanctified it. He distinguished it from these others that we would distinguish it from these others as well. So let's take a look at Sabbath as a commandment. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 20 in the church's Bible on page 83. Exodus chapter 20, page 83. After God created all things, many, many, many years later, God's people, the Israelites, would be in slavery and in bondage in Egypt. God would deliver them out of this bondage. Shortly after that, God would give Moses his great Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, and they were to come to the people of Israel as Torah, as a way of life, as a way to follow him, as a way to not return back to slavery. So we'll read here in Exodus chapter 20 just one of these commandments. That is the commandment about the Sabbath. It's in verses 10 and 11. Read with me. 
But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So if you kind of look at the beginning of chapter 20, you can see that the Ten Commandments don't take up much space but almost a quarter of them are dedicated to this one commandment. See, most of the commandments, like the one right after this, in verse 13 says, you shall not murder. It is very simple and direct, but the Sabbath is given great preferential treatment to say its significance. We're told none shall work on the Sabbath, but all shall rest because God rested on his Sabbath. Next, let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5. And the church's Bible will be on page 208. Deuteronomy chapter 5. Read with me in Deuteronomy 5, beginning in verse 13. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your cattle, nor the stranger who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. And remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So here in Deuteronomy, the Israelites at this time were fixing to cross over into the promised land. It's been many years since they've been wandering in the desert, since these commandments were given in Exodus. And Moses is told to give them the law again, to remind them of God's ways before they go into the promised land, before they get comfortable settling into their inheritance in a land flowing with milk and honey. And so we we read the same commandment that we just read in Exodus, but another verse is added. It tells them in verse 15 to remember that you were a slave in Egypt and that your God delivered you, therefore keep the Sabbath day. I really don't know how they would forget that they were a slave in Egypt any more than we would forget that July 4th is when the Declaration of Independence was signed. That this country was not always ours, but we were from other places. Likewise, God had delivered them from Egypt, from slavery, from bondage. They were given God's word to follow his ways. And here again, Moses offers a new understanding to say, don't forget his Sabbath. Remember that you were slaves in bondage, that the Lord delivered you. Keep his Sabbath, lest this happen again.
so we know that God made the Sabbath day holy. And that He commands us to keep it. And that He reminds us about it again and again. We could read many, many scriptures where the hundred times that Sabbath is mentioned in the Old Testament. So what then is so significant about this day? This week the Lord has highlighted to me over and over this idea of stopping. That's kind of a funny word because even in Genesis it says rest or ceasing. But even those I think are easy to kind of use our own understanding to interpret. But stopping is something altogether different. Imagine a red light or a stop sign that you met on your way here today. Now you have a couple of choices. You can slow down, see if anyone's there, and blast on through. You can come to the complete stop at the stop sign or the blinking red light and give it a one, two, three. Right, whatever that expectation is that you know you would be in compliance with the laws of the land and not be pulled over and given a ticket. But that stopping is for our good and the good of others. And that's what is rooted deep within Sabbath is stopping. Not only that we work and labor and from that we take a break to acknowledge the Lord, But from our spiritual work, we must stop if we want to truly rest in Him. And to understand stopping, we have to realize that Sabbath and its meaning is bigger than just one day of the week. And it is bigger than even all of the Lord's Sabbaths to include His holy feast days. This day and this rest point us to the Lord. In Genesis 2.2, where we just read, you'll not need to turn back there, I'll read this aloud, it says that on the seventh day, God ended His work which He had done. And He rested on the seventh day from all His work which He had done. Now you may think that I just read the same thing twice and maybe I kind of missed what I was reading because it seems like there's two different sentences or certainly a run-on sentence happening here. And that's because the sentence is revealing two things that sound similar but are very distinct and important for us to hear. So once God ended His work, He rested. Also, once God rested, it was from the work that He had done. Do you hear that? These things are are happening maybe simultaneously, but both of these structures are distinguishing themselves. We cannot rest until we have stopped. And if we have truly stopped, then we are resting from something. If we want to enter God's rest, we have to quit our work and rest in what He has done. What this implies for us is that there is no actual rest unless we have first ceased our work. Now this may sound like I'm repeating myself again and again and again and it's because I am because we we have to have this cemented. Also, when we are resting in what God has done, we can trust Him 
because his work is always good. We read in the creation accounts that God said it was good. That was for our benefit to understand that God knew that the things he had done were according to his purpose. They didn't fall short. They weren't incomplete. They were good. Likewise, when God is working, it is always good. Whether we see the fullness of his plan or we recognize it, it is good according to what God is doing. And unless we acknowledge and align and agree with that, we will never truly rest. So the commandments to keep the Sabbath are indeed about this seventh day. They're not about the sixth. They're not about the first. They're not about Sunday. They are about the Sabbath, which begins on sundown of Friday and ends sundown on Saturday. But more than this, the Sabbath is about a call to a life of relinquishing our own work our own abilities, our own influence, and resting in what God is doing. But resting is difficult, isn't it? Resting and stopping and ceasing is really, ironically hard work. Because the fullness of Sabbath is not just in the physical, but in the spiritual. In the physical sense, we are called not to do any work on Sabbath, but to stop. So much so that it says for those who have servants, for those who have animals, for those who have machines, so to speak, that are laboring and doing things, all of them are to stop. So the idea is a completeness to stopping. You may have heard stories like in Israel today that elevators have all the buttons pressed on the Sabbath. That when someone takes an elevator up or down, they don't need to press the button because it will stop at every floor so much so to keep them from having to do work. It's taken so seriously in this idea that God was telling everything to stop. Now that's the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law is even greater than that. In the spiritual sense, it means that we are not stopping our actions alone, but our desires. We are truly resting in what God is doing and what God desires to do. So we cannot simply make the statement, I'm resting in the Lord. Maybe you've heard that. Maybe you've said that. And meanwhile, trying to work out everything the way we want it. Or even trying to figure out what God is doing or thinking or planning. We cannot do that and think that we're resting. Rest, remember, only occurs when we have stopped our ways. Turn with me next to Hebrews chapter 4. If you're in the church's Bible, it will be on page 1375. Hebrews chapter 4. We'll begin reading in chapter 4, verse 1. 
chapter 4 begins with this, this conjunction, therefore. And it means that it's carrying on the idea from the previous chapter. And in Hebrews 3, the writer is talking about the unbelief that kept the generation of Israelites who had been delivered from slavery in Egypt. They never saw the promised land. That seems like such a small thing, but imagine being the group of people whom God delivered from Egypt. Imagine leaving the clutches of Pharaoh. Imagine seeing the plagues. Imagine walking through the Red Sea to see dry ground. God tells them that they can inherit the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, but because of their unbelief, they did not see it. Now their descendants did, but they did not. And that is what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. Because God had told them that He would provide for them. He told them that He would give them this this pillar of fire by day to guide this nation to the promised land. He would give them a cloud cover over them for shade and protection. He rained down manna from the heavens to give them food in the middle of the desert. Yet, they had unbelief. But there's a promise that remains of entering his rest, and that's what we'll read about. Read with me in verse 1 of chapter 4. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest, as he has said, So I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Again he designates a certain day, saying in David, Today, after such a long time it has been said, Today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not have afterward have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Now I know this is a long passage and it contains a a lot of different things and addressing different places in scripture. Verse 1 it says, Let us fear any of you seem to have come short of it. This place of rest that the writer of Hebrews is talking about is certainty and confidence and absolution in what God is doing. This rest is the rest that allows us to stop figuring out, to stop manipulating, to stop trying to work things out for what we think God needs to be doing. And it says that if we see a brother or sister that is not resting like this and thinks they are, that we should be greatly concerned. Verse 2, it says, For indeed the gospel was preached to them as well. The gospel was preached to the Israelites who were wandering in the desert. 
It says that this story was used for our example so that we should not repeat their mistakes. The gospel was given to them, but that was not enough. Hearing God's word is not enough. Hearing this word today is not enough. They had heard it and experienced it, and they had been delivered from bondage. They had received manna from the heavens. But they had not mixed it with faith. Faith is, of course, trust. And I believe that the faith that is even being mentioned here is stopping our own doing. Trusting is indeed required for rest. Verse 4 explains the type of rest that we should have is the same that God had after His plan was completed in creation. Now this is so important to hear because we could imagine lots of other type of rest, right? We could imagine great naps that the Lord would give those who follow Him, great sleep, not having backaches, but, you know, being able to rest. We could imagine the kind of rest that would would happen for soldiers who were not being ran after by enemy armies, right? And all of those might sound like good things, but far greater, the writer of Hebrews says that the type of rest that the Israelites and that we are offered today is what God experienced after His plan was complete. Certainty, confidence that His plan was perfect. Verses 6 and 7 say that although the Israelites did not receive this rest because of disobedience, it's available to us. It is available to us. Verse 7 quotes Psalm 95 that says, If we would hear His voice and not harden our hearts. Oh, is that the picture of stopping our own way? Hearing the Lord's voice and not hardening our hearts against us. So we might ask, if we're not in rest right now, what is keeping us from that rest? We might ask, why if our stomach is in knots and we can barely breathe and our thoughts are consumed, why have we refused His voice and hardened our heart? Verse 8 describes, in no uncertain terms, that the Israelites were not given rest because of their unbelief. Unbelief is a strong biblical word that has connotations of rebellion and revolt and refusal. So if we're not in rest, and we know it, that rest can go into unbelief. It is a slippery slope that we walk when we don't choose to agree and align with the Lord. That the enemy would lure and lure and lure us into a place of unbelief and despair like the Israelites. But verse 9, verse 9 is the best news in this chapter. Verse 9 says, There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. God hasn't taken it away. The Israelites may have refused it. Maybe until today you and I have refused it. But God has not taken it away. It remains for us. There's an invitation in the scripture and here today for us to come into the rest of the Lord. And verse 10 is so powerful because it uses almost the same words that we have read a couple of times in Genesis 2.2. Read with me in verse 10. It says, For he, this would be us, for he who has entered his rest, that would be God's, has himself also ceased from his work, works as God did from his. 
So we must follow in God's own footsteps to recognize that God's work and that his purpose through creation and even now are complete in order with what God is doing. We can't look out over the world or over our circumstances and say, God doesn't know what he's doing, I can't trust him. We will enter into unrest and unbelief. But if we can come into agreement with the Most High God, that he is good and that his love endures forever and that his purpose is happening and that he will complete a good work in us and in others if we agree with him, then we can have rest just as he did. This is the protection that we read about in Leviticus 19 amidst all these things about pagan worship and staying away from idols. God's Sabbath is a picture of the call to rest in Him. Entering into this rest means no longer needing to work, no longer needing to justify, no longer needing to be a good person, even doing what we think is right or good, but stopping our own way. I'll ask it again, so why then is the Sabbath so important? To teach our children that it's the fourth commandment? I mean, it is a good commandment. But even notice where it's situated. After the first three that refer directly to God, and before those that talk about how to be a good human, how to honor our neighbor, is sandwiched the Sabbath. In between man and God is this need for Sabbath. Is it okay that we use the Sabbath as just a day to relax? That we would find the day that we're off work or that we can make it work with our schedules and our agenda and say, today's the day I'll rest. I'll read an uplifting and positive book. Just as important as the idea of stopping is the reality that Sabbath comes from seven. Seven has not changed in numbers in hundreds of thousands or millions of years. It's not the sixth, it's not the first, it's not the fourth, it is the seventh. It's why we gather on Friday night as the Lord's Sabbath begins. God established this day as a part of His creation. From the very beginning, it is woven into the fabric of the universe. For even the ground needs a Sabbath every seven years to regenerate and turn its soil and replenish its plants. A day that we would meet Him, a day that our path would be straightened and our spirits would be refreshed, a day that would serve forever as a reminder that when we stop from the things of this world, we can find certain rest and the Lord's protection. Jesus tells us in Mark's Gospel in chapter 2, He says, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And this is such an interesting place that we could go so many different ways. And I see this revolutionary thought even fuller today. Turn with me back to Genesis chapter 2. We'll read one last place. Genesis chapter 2 will be on... Page 2. You see, when Jesus says these words in Mark's Gospel that the Sabbath was made for man 
and not man for the Sabbath. He's describing the hearts of those around him that were following the law. That had celebrated on the seventh day of the week. That had stopped their work. But had created many new ways of stopping their work. Or stopping others from their work. Those that met the letter and not the spirit. The Sabbath day was and always will be a day to bring us back to the Lord. And that's what Jesus is saying. And we're going to see this even more clearly here. Read with me in chapter 2 of Genesis Verse 4, after the passage that we have read earlier, it says, This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Now what's so significant in this verse is that it says, Lord God. The verses that we read earlier just say, God. Do they not? In 3 it says, God, twice. In 2 it says, God. In chapter 131, it says God, but in verse 4, it says Lord God. And the reason that this is significant is because this is God's full name. It is the name we know as Yahweh Elohim. It's also the name that, that Moses is given to describe who is sending him to Pharaoh to deliver God's people. He says, tell them that Yahweh has sent me. I am who I am. I who have created all things. I who am the father of the Israelites. This is a name that is deeply personal to God's people. So why the change here from the creation to right here? Well, the word Elohim is what is used in the previous verses. And it's the name that means creator God. And it is a great name. It describes that God is all-powerful, all-knowing. And that he has created these things. But the change to verse 4 is personal and intimate and relational. So once God had completed his creation and things were according to his purpose, he hallowed this Sabbath day and rested with man. I believe that God's intention from the very completion of creation was to rest with us in His purpose. Now this was of course stolen by Adam and Eve and wandering into sin. And Sabbath has been stolen again and again throughout history. Because resting is hard. God has made this great day for us to leave the places of our own, leave the sin of this world, and be recreated into His image. I pray today that we would accept the Lord's invitation. Not just to acknowledge this day, but to keep the Sabbath days and the feast days, and even more so that they would enable us to better understand the Father's heart is for us to stop what we're doing to rest in His purpose. Amen.
Looking like you are love You bring light to the darkness You give hope You restore every heart that's broken
God Almighty, worthy, worthy, worthy to receive all praise. Holy, holy, holy is the Oh uh-huh. 
it is finished, he said. And we watched as his life ebbed away. Then we all stood around till the guards took him down. Joseph begged for his body on that day. It was late afternoon when we got to the tomb, wrapped his body and sealed up the grave. So I know how you feel. His death was so real, but please listen and hear what I say. And I saw 